0: our team in the Office of the Chaplains and our partners in the Department of Music, we welcome you all here this morning for this snowy but festive worship service. We have a lot of student musicians that are helping us to lead this worship service this morning, so up in the balcony we have the Christ Chapel Brass, the Choir of Christ Chapel, and the Lucia Singers. Down on the floor, we have the Adolphus Jazz Ensemble, which will be over, the, over there, the Gustavus Wind Symphony here, and the Christ Chapel Ringers will be ringing from over here. So, hopefully, you'll be delighted by all of the music in this worship service. We will be celebrating the Sacrament of Holy Communion, and here in Christ Chapel, we practice open communion, which means that wherever you are in your journey with God, you are welcome to participate in that meal of God's grace. And we will have stations throughout the chapel. So just follow the lead of the ushers and they will tell you where your section can go to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. I invite you now to stand as we turn towards the back for our opening dialogue.
1: Gracious God, Spirit of life. Source of possibilities. Breathe life into us this day. Breathe life life into into us this day. As we gather on this day of celebration, let us embody life in its fullness, in all that we do, O God. Breathe life into us this day. As we listen and ponder, as we deepen and explore, as we laugh and play, As we live this day with integrity, as we live this day in community, O God, breathe the life of life into us this day. Amen. Amen. Grace of Jesus, the extravagant love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's sing. Please pray with me. Oh God, we thank you for times of refreshment and peace in the course of this busy life, for glorious music that gives us pause and reminds us of your beauty. As we hear of your goodness through song and word, help us to take breath so that we might give witness to your work in the world and take part in it with renewed vigor. Amen. Please be seated.
2: reading from psalm 90 verses 12 through 17. Make us realize how short life is, that we may gain wisdom from the heart. God, relent. How long before you have mercy on your faithful ones? When morning comes, fill us with your love, and we will celebrate all our days. Give us joy for as many days as you afflicted us, for as many years as we knew misfortune. Let your work be seen by your faithful. Your glory be witnessed upon by their children. Let God's favor be upon us. Grant success to the work of our hands. Success to the work of our hands. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
0: Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. Hear the life-giving word. Praise to you, O God. As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. "'You know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother.' "'Teacher,' the man responded, "'I've kept all these since I was a boy.' "'Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, "'You are lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor.' Then you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened, because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, It will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples, so Jesus told them again, Children, it's difficult to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, It's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Peter said to him, Look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, I assure you that anyone who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms because of me and because of the good news will receive 100 times as much now in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, and in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are last will be first, and many who are first will be last. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. Thanks. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Nobody likes being last. For many of us, the fear of being last goes back to our childhood. You might be able to recall a time when teams were being picked for kickball or football or some other game at school or with friends in the neighborhood. The captains were always identified first, guaranteeing them a place on a team. And then the painstaking process began for everyone else. While the captains alternated taking turns to make picks for their teams, everyone else just stood there hoping to be picked as early as possible and praying that they would not be the last person standing there waiting to be chosen. The fear of being last and the accompanying shame that often comes with actually being last stays with us throughout our lives. We don't want to be last in our class in terms of grades, We don't want to be the last person to find out we got into the college of our choice. We don't want to be the last chair in our section or the last string quarterback on the team. We don't want to be last in a long line at an amusement park for our favorite roller coaster ride or in the long line in the cafeteria to get brunch after this service. We don't want to have the last registration number for picking next semester's classes or the last room draw number in the process. And as we get older, we don't want to be the last person in our friend group to find a job after college or to celebrate a marriage with a life partner. We don't want to be the last person we know who can afford to buy a house or a car. And as I've learned from my 98-year-old grandmother, it is really hard to be the last of your friends, to be alive. Nobody likes being last. Being last evokes feelings of shame and fear, rejection, embarrassment, maybe even self-loathing and loneliness. Which is precisely why it is important to note that Jesus seems consistently to have had the most compassion for those who were counted as last, in society's hierarchies. People who were poor, hungry, sick, and despised by others, and ordinary women, children, prostitutes, and tax collectors. In today's challenging story about Jesus' interaction with an unnamed rich young man that we heard today from the Gospel of Mark, we hear Jesus sum up his main point, about a coming reversal of fortunes, when he says to the disciples at the end of the story, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. For anyone who constantly feels like they are getting the short end of the stick in life, these words from Jesus might sound like really good and welcome news. God will make them first, For once in their lives, it's about time. But for the main character in today's gospel story, the unnamed rich young man, this was not what he was expecting to hear. And he walked away from his interaction with Jesus feeling sad. Now, a few literary points of context might be helpful here as we wrestle with what this story might mean for our own lives today, which is what some of you might be sitting there wondering. So first, when the writer of the Gospel of Mark wanted his audience, and today that is all of us, to identify with one of his characters, he did not give that character a name. So the fact that this rich young man does not have a name signals to us that the author wanted us to put ourselves in this rich guy's shoes and to consider how we might have responded if we would have been in his situation. Second, because the writer wanted us to identify with the situation of this young man, he does not tell us how the story ends. Instead, he leaves things open. We know that this rich young man was a religiously devout Jew who ran up to Jesus, knelt before him, and asked him his most burning spiritual questions. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus responded first by reciting a bunch of the Ten Commandments, to which this young man earnestly said that he had kept them since he was a young child. Then Jesus offered one more thing. Sell your stuff, give the money to the poor, and follow me. And upon hearing this, the young man walked away sad. And from there, we don't know what happened to him. Perhaps nothing changed and he went about his life as he had been living it. Or maybe he thought about what Jesus said for a few days or a few weeks or even months, and then he worked up his courage to sell his things, give his money away to those who were in need. And became one of Jesus' most faithful followers. Third, in Jesus' time, and perhaps even still in our own time, being wealthy was considered to be a sign of God's blessing and favor for an individual or a family's faithfulness. So that is why Jesus' request for the rich young man to divest himself of all his wealth was so shocking both to this man and to Jesus' followers. Jesus wasn't just asking him to get rid of his money. He was asking him to give up one of the most tangible signs of God's favor. And to give up with it all the social status, the power, and the influence that came along with it. And finally, the most important detail of all. This unnamed young man is the only person in the Gospel of Mark of whom it is said Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him, and him alone, in this 16 chapter Gospel story. In fact, not only is no other character said to be loved by Jesus in this Gospel, But the word love itself appears only three other times in the whole gospel. And that is when Jesus is quoting other parts of scripture from the Bible. So let's now try to put all of this together. The author of this story wanted us to put ourselves into the shoes of this religiously devout, rich, young Jewish guy. Which is why he doesn't have a name in our story. This is the only person of whom is explicitly said in Mark's Gospel that Jesus loved. And we know that giving up one's wealth had huge financial, social, political, and even theological implications. And the ending to this story is open. It is unwritten. It is unfinished. So if you are willing this morning Put yourself into this young man's situation, as was intended by the author. Speaking across the centuries, do you hear the author of the story trying to assure you that Jesus sees you and Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you not because you have faithfully kept certain biblical commandments or have reached a certain level of status within society but simply because that is the nature of God. God sees you, and God loves you. And out of that love and compassion, God wants what is best for you in this life and the next. As you sit in this story, are you conflicted as the young man was in the story? Are you torn between listening to the divine wisdom in your life and allowing society's norms to determine your worth and your value. Are you confused about what Jesus was trying to teach this young man by asking him to give away his wealth to people who were poor? As I've sat inside this story over the last week and tried to listen for God's wisdom and for a word of grace and good news to share with you this morning, I think Jesus is trying to teach us something about the gift of being last. He's trying to nudge us all to confront those deep-seated fears we have about being last. To notice how the fear of feeling ashamed or embarrassed or judged or powerless might be holding us back spiritually in some way. And to find the courage to overcome our fear through the assurance of God's love and grace that is already present for us as a gift. If we are living a life of always striving to be first, to be at the top, to be recognized as the best or the richest or the most successful or even the most faithful, then we might just miss out on experiencing the gift that comes from taking the perspective and the position of being last. In being last, we might have the opportunity to cultivate a strength that comes from humility. We might be able to let go of the illusions of being in control of our own lives. We might make time for contemplation and delighting in the goodness of God's beauty and abundant love. We might expand our families to include many, many more people who will bless our lives in unexpected ways. And we might experience the joy that comes in following God's call to care deeply for all of our neighbors, especially those who are living at the margins of society. And we might notice that the kind of life with God that the Bible often calls eternal life or God's kingdom, is already available to us on earth, as it is in heaven. And so today I hope that you leave this Christ Chapel Family Weekend worship service knowing that God loves you and considers you to be part of a very unusual family, defined not by blood, nor by social or economic circumstances, nor even by faithfulness, but one that is gathered together by God's generous and steadfast love. Just as the rich young man's story was left open, so too our stories are still undetermined and unfolding. And so the invitation to us is to live a life of generosity, humility, connection, freedom, and joy that is continually being offered to us by God in new and fresh ways. So if you, like the rich young man in our story today, are bold enough to bring your most burning spiritual question before God. You may be surprised at what
1: Please join me as we pray for the Gustavus community, any who are in need, and all of God's creation. God, help us to realize, recognize the opportunity and gift of being the last. Break down our need to be recognized, and transform us by your gentle mercy. God of love, hear our prayer. Bless all the loved ones gathered here on Family Weekend. Promote communion and reconnection between reuniting family members. Thank you for the students and staff who contributed to all the activities taking place on campus this weekend. God of love, hear our prayer. Accept our thanks for all the musical offerings that are given on this campus. Thank you for the songs and the voices offered up today, reminders of your goodness. Bless the efforts of the student musicians who give their time, and the directors and conductors who guide them. Continue to create opportunities for us to be in community around art, music, and creativity. God of love, hear our prayer. Guide us in finding peaceful solutions to violence. Move us towards your justice in our courtrooms, prisons, neighborhoods, and campuses. Root our discussions and our actions in love and care for one another. And guide us in working towards effective change. God of love, hear our prayer. Pour out your love and healing on all who are hurting or feel far from you today. For those recovering from natural disasters in Haiti and Cambodia. For those seeking refuge in new lands. For survivors of domestic violence and assault. Send them companions who will show them that you are near. Comfort those who are missing and their families. Comfort those who are missing their families or feeling homesick today. Encourage us as we create a supportive and welcoming community for all here on campus. God of love, hear our prayer. Into your hands, gracious God, we place all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy and your goodness. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. Please take a moment to share peace with those around you.
3: stand as you are comfortable. God of abundance, you take the gifts we offer and you make them plenty. Receive the gifts we bring, this offering, this bread, and this wine. As we prepare to feast on this meal of grace, prepare us to be your people out in the world. Amen. People of God, people of life, We gather as a holy communion for a meal that has been shared countless times, in countless places, and in countless ways. Throughout his ministry, Jesus often gathered around tables with people who were considered among the last. Outcasts and ordinary women, peasant laborers, prostitutes. At his Last Supper, Jesus promised that whenever the bread was broken and the wine was poured, whenever his story was told around a table, he would be there. Today we remember the story as it has been told a thousand times over. We eat the bread and we drink the wine and we affirm that we all belong at this table and that Jesus is here. When Jesus ate with his friends, he took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Each time you do this, remember me. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, passed it to his friends, saying, Drink, this cup poured out for you is the promise of God. Whenever you drink of it... We remember Jesus' death and resurrection, our hope and our life. We break the bread and share one cup. Thanks be to God. Um, The table is now ready. There will be ushers to direct you to the various stations to commune as you are comfortable. So please follow their lead and be seated. Gracious God, you've gathered and fed us, and we are full of your life. With this food, give us strength to live and to live fully. Give us strength to love our neighbors as family, and to serve the world with courage and compassion. before we go. First, can we give great thanks to all of our musicians, this afternoon for our musical showcase concert that features the Gustavus Wind Orchestra, the Gustavus Choir, the Gustavus Symphony Orchestra, and the Gustavus Jazz Ensemble that takes place at 2, right back here in Christ Chapel. And I also want to invite you back here for Christmas in Christ Chapel. That is November 30th through December 2nd, and you can still purchase tickets online. Now please stand as you are comfortable to receive this blessing.
1: The God of perspective, grant you the wisdom to be found in being last. The God of peace, accompany you through goodbyes and bring you to the joy and hope of meeting again. The God of all grace, bless you now and forever. Go in peace to love and serve. Thanks be to God.